accepted thing. Tony with his giant eyes. All right. (laughs) Welcome to Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minow. And I'm Tony Serenai. We're here with Michael Grimaldi. It's a pleasure being here. A legend in... Well, in, 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 in the art world, but definitely in my <laughs> Yeah, I would say... I think Michael is definitely one of the, the across-the-board um, kind of favorite of all of ours, even though we've known you you're for a long time. You're elusive, though, like, in terms of, like, web presence, and, like, you're not... Uh, I don't... Like, I don't know where to see new work, and, yeah. and, you know, I'm fairly savvy with the internets, and, you know, I can't find... But, like... You know, anything I ever get to see, and everybody's always excited. And, you know, when mm-hmm. people hear that you're coming to town, they get all excited, you know. Cool. Is, is it's, that, is, yeah, it's being that whole elusive thing. It's like, not only is the work extraordinary, but then you don't give you don't give enough of it. So it's like, I want more, I want more. Yeah, I, I mean, I should be better with that. Um, you know, with... The it's sort not of, a deliberate strategy. It, it sort of maybe started as that, yeah. but... Um, it's sort of degraded into just uh, being a recluse, I think. Over, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, like I think, you know, when, you, when you're kind of looking at, at work, for instance, there's sort of a curation of or curating of the presence. And I think in, in its better form, like if you're a little bit more selective about, about things, yeah. you know, you can really cut out a lot of the, oh, yeah. you know, because believe me, Fat. I do thousands of awful drawings, you know, <laughs> and love to sweep those under the under the carpet and stuff like that. <laughs> so. Well, we'll be the judge of that yeah, right. on the awful drawings. Let us judge that because even your so-called awful drawings were all like, did you see Michael's drawings? It was so good. And what's weird is that um, when we started this podcast, Ted and I talked about like our beginnings, mm-hmm. now, not only our personal beginnings, but then you know, how we know each other, and yeah. we told this story about going to um, Uptown, the to, to National, <laughs> National Academy, yeah. And, um, and that was the first time you were teaching. Yeah. How well, old were you? I, I was young. I was, like, maybe 24, something like that. I think at the time I was, like, the youngest teacher that the Academy had. Um, right. Had that job for, like, a semester, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, and and then you guys came in, and you were kids, you know. You we were pretty was, young. Yeah. You were like, well, we were what, like a year <laughs> younger than oh, you, yeah. but yeah, we were kids. We were a little younger than you, but you're the first. No, but I've always looked young. I've maintained a youthful appearance. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the first person we actually met when it came to pretty much our lives kind of changing. Mm-hmm. So that moment huh. when we sat down, and I know this Yeah, meeting weird. you was a catalyst. Wow. It really was. That's it was cool. that we moment where we walked in and we saw Han Solo sitting there doing <laughs> awesome drawings. <laughs> We always uh, just it always like, goes to start. No, no, we've we've we, Mike was always kind of like Han Solo as, as long as we've known him. We've kind of we kind of nicknamed you that. And and for me, that was like a great time teaching because you know you had really young, vibrant people, and you guys were basically like the only guys in the class. There were like maybe two <laughs> other people or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was really it was really awesome, and the drive, and you know, both of you having experience in drawing and painting yeah. maybe outside of that type of environment and bringing that in and that becomes a really I think a really important thing f- to keep a you know an instructor's sanity and <laughs> yeah you know I think I remember you um, because we did both have a little bit of drawing experience like drawing from just the model yeah. that I, I do remember you kind of saying like hey are you guys coming back are you guys yeah. coming back because what, what ended up happening is that we we kind of started talking and we started realizing we have similar sort of mm-hmm. uh, 
tastes and, and not only just art but just kind of life stuff and you grew up in New York City yeah. right mm-hmm. Ted grew up in New York City I grew up right outside of the city yeah so then we were um, we just started kind of hanging yeah you know but the thing is is that for me and this again goes back to like um, you know when I start going back I'm like wow that's kind of an important thing is that when I started looking through your sketchbook and I saw what you were doing you were doing and we've mentioned this before on the podcast mm-hmm. you were doing what I wanted to do and I didn't know that you can do this mm-hmm. that you were going off in a punk rock you know whether it's just like you know outside of the norm and doing it on your own totally unscripted cool and so I do credit you and just that meeting, that first meeting and then hanging out with you a little bit to like, I kind of want to do that with my life. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, that's awesome <laughs> to hear. <laughs> but again, it, it really obviously helped us a lot and that it was like your, your drawings were like, you know, some of the best I've ever seen. And, you know, it was a really funny time too because now it's almost hard to remember or imagine that it was actually a lot more difficult to get, well, you know, pre-internet. I mean, we were, yeah, we were to get studio training. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Florence Academy was around when when I was a student, but never really heard about it. You right. know, maybe you know, whispers off in the, you know, across the ocean, things like that. <laughs> in and, Italian, yeah, and there were, you know, really there were only places like the like the National Academy and the Art Students League, right? And a couple of, you know, there was. Michael Aviano's studio right. and a couple of people had uh, working. One well, Ted Jacobs, Ted Jacobs, and, yeah. with and Michael Aviano was in New York City, yeah, right. And say Minnesota, then. yeah, yeah. Were you aware of what was going on there? Or? Not so much. Not the Minnesota thing because, like you said, pre-internet. Right. Um, you know, how did you even hear about these things unless right. somebody from Minnesota would like come in through the Art Students League? I'm door sure that was happening a lot. It less than. I don't really remember. Like we had a lot of interchange between like Michael Aviano's studio uh, students and uh, Ted Seth Jacobs oh, students because right. uh, they were both involved at the New York Academy too. Right? Yeah, at the New York Academy, and they were both Riley students. Oh and right. So that was kind of the um, the the connection. Right. And there was a kind of strange thing that was happening during that time period as well. Is that peop- the instructors were incredibly territorial? You know. They didn't want to share students, and right. so, why, do you, why do you think that? Was? I remember I, confronting was, that in, in a couple instances, yeah. and it was a weird thing. I, I'm not 100 percent sure why. I, I think that the the sort of nature of the 20th century sort of made you know representational painters or realist painters, whatever you want to call them, a little bit like terrified of mm. you know wait somebody's edging in on my whatever portrait commissions or my students and this is my bread and butter and stuff Uh, like that so you think it was more of like a money thing as opposed to hey this was hard fought and i want you know my it's like being you know you're gonna ruin my students like an egan or or like a lion who's like i want my genes to be passed on yeah (laughs) this other guy's yeah i mean (laughs) exactly it's like who knows really what that was and then i think when when I was coming up and you guys are coming up, you know, there was a lot more of a of an interchange. Like you started realizing, you know, when you started getting, for instance, my, my training was really focused at the Art Students League in a lot of ways. And, you know, through the Ted Jacobs, Ron Scher, and Peter Cox sort of sort of world. And then you start getting you start seeing these Florence Academy people come up and they're like, wow, they're working completely different from the way I am. Right. But they're doing something that's pretty outstanding you know and then what 
what we're all ending up doing is setting up a dialogue between these different right. institutions, and that didn't really exist so much. When, Did you feel like you were having to synthesize very different perspectives from like Ron Cher to Peter Cox? Yeah, to absolutely. Like I, I think it, Ted Jacobs was really my first, I guess, serious, uh, you know, sort of whatever you, you call it. You lost your virginity, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, sort of academic instructor, and so I was sort of used to constructing things in the way that was taught to me, you right. know, um, you know, sort of deconstructing drawing and kind right. of looking at it from a very specifically drawn standpoint and a linear uh, standpoint. And then going into Ron Scher's class or Peter Cox's class, it was like total paradigm shift when I first got in there. It was just like, wait, this is a completely different working method. It's more optical and... Yeah, and it was really tough and almost as a student had to end up kind of in the morning had one personality and then in the <laughs> afternoon having another <laughs> one. Schizophrenia. And, yeah. and so you're working in these like drastically different approaches right. and stuff like that. Now would you get and confusing messages like, why are you doing that? Don't do that anymore. Who told yeah. you about these shapes? There are no shapes right. in yeah. the... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so there was a lot of that happening and the... And then I, I, I guess it... It was a little bit clearer after I left school is that when you start realizing that, wow, they're all really talking about the same things, you know, the fun foundational principles of drawing and painting and color theory and perspective and all that kind of stuff, they have very different ways of applying it. And that sort of develop, I th develops, I think, a, a really strong repertoire with someone. You know, when you're, when you're approaching a portrait, you're approaching it kind of differently from a landscape, you right. know. Yeah. The, where the you know the scene itself might remain stable, the light is arcing across the sky and changing constantly. Or when you're dealing with a figure, the model's moving all the time, but the light's stable. And so you you end up sort of adapting your approach to things. And I think that that sort of broad spectrum, uh, or being you know introduced to different working methods or different strategies when you're when you're drawing and painting really helps, you know, because mm -hmm. then you're, you're forming your own thing anyway. You're not... Right. You get to not, pick and choose this yeah. from here and that from there. Yeah. And you, it, it personalizes it. Yeah, way. exactly. And none of us, you know, really... Uh, we don't paint the way we were taught. We right. implement the concepts and, right. uh, you know, ways of working and stuff like that. Yeah. So. But one of the things that I think, I don't know, interested me most when I first kind of encountered you and Jacob is that you were talking more about a way of thinking about what I'm seeing as opposed to like a method of drawing yeah. or something. And that, I, I, do, I do feel like I have this common, you know, whether I'm painting a portrait, a figure, like you have to take different factor or landscape. You're taking different factors into yeah. account, but you're thinking about the same elements and, and it's about sort of trying to deconstruct what you're seeing and understand yeah. it and process it. And then through this sort of perspective of really understanding your subject and the material properties of it and, you know, I exactly. guess in, in, and in your case, really the anatomy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's become a really strong yeah. uh, interest of yours. Yeah, that and, and perspective, you know, because I think, um, that's you know... So perspective is like mesmerizing. I mean, it's so... Yeah, I, I mean, you know, when when you're perceiving the world, you know, and both in terms of visual perception and also the way that we're constructing work, drawings and stuff, there's kind of like a kind of direct way of approaching things, you know, mm -hmm. site size or block in or right. whatever, or, you know, poster 
right. posterized versions of color field and things like that. And then it seems like there's a really a thoughtful part of it as right. well. Like, how do you synthesize that information? What do you do when the model's moving? What do you do if the light's changing or, or colors are changing, you know, throughout the course of a day? You start relying on, on you know, knowledge in a lot of ways. That's a really tough, tough balance when you're working sort of, uh, you know, pretty faithful to what you're looking at, right. right? To sort of understand that those concepts behind it become really crucial in the way that you're perceiving those things, you know, knowing aspects of perspective, you know, you think of angles of differently. And anatomy was really a segue for me to kind of get into applying perspective to the human, to the human figure, mm -hmm. to organic form and stuff like that. When I was a student, um, you know, also, also a lot of my, my teachers were, some of my teachers were sort of Nah, anatomy is not really right, that important, important right, yeah. you know. And at the time, it kind of made sense because you look at a model and you don't see the musculature like right. you do in a, you know, a reshade. Right, you don't see it all, right. right. And, but as I started kind of getting more out of just kind of scientific curiosity, just going into anatomy labs and, hey, here's another subject to draw, <laughs> and started realizing, wow, this really profoundly changes the way that I consider form. You right. know, um, when you're essentially witnessing a deconstruction of a human figure, right, you sort of get a very constructive way of looking at things. And it, would, it seemed like when looking at you know, like Renaissance artwork and the, you know, the importance that was paid by Michelangelo, by Da Vinci, and, right. you know, up to 19th century Thomas Aikens and the French academies and stuff like that, a lot of the emphasis was on uh, active hands-on dissection and stuff. Right. It changes the way you think about, about form. You really understand. There's something that you hear every day in medical school that you, that I never heard in artistic anatomy classes, which is form is function. And it was just like, wow, oh, that totally makes sense. Like what I'm looking at has a functionality. It has oh, a, yeah. Yeah. has a, you know, a reason for it being there, right. you know, and it's, it's amazing. I remember, uh, Steve Perkins doing, uh, uh, anatomy lectures through sculpture yeah. and he, I mean, everything he talks about, like, and it's obvious when he says it and when you hear it, it sounds like, yeah, of course, but when he talks about you know the the fullnesses and the cavities between yeah. fingers being you know there so that you can create a tight seal to scoop up water right. and drink it like there are all these functions every everything has a purpose yeah. and yeah it's I mean it's amazing to then start to think about why things are the yeah. way they are and then you know then you're designing your drawing based on an idea like a yeah. concept and it becomes so much deeper than just drawing what you see yeah. you're drawing something that actually mean something yeah. and, you know and even in a practical sense like when you're when you're working from life you know uh, a model is going to move you know right. and that seemed like in just kind of going to let's say the very direct things of like blocking and you're triangulating and stuff that's you know pretty important when you're drawing right but then you start realizing that there's something missing from that because you can't manage a model moving and yeah. I, looking at a Michelangelo drawing it's like there are four arms, right, you know, and, yeah, <laughs> a pontormo, there's like 17 nipples and three belly buttons and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, Jay hasn't lifted up his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they really seem like they were constructing 
figures, you know, and you see that a lot with Russian Academy work oh, as yeah, well, yeah. you know, and totally different way that I think I was really looking at drawing, you know, before getting into the anatomy thing. And uh, right. so it's really great. How, when you went and started going to dissections, was it in New York? Because I, I know that there's stories, I remember you telling me stories about going down to, was it Argentina? Yeah, that was, so at in New York at the time, uh, the New York Academy, yeah. which I, was, I wasn't a student there at the time, but there's a, a teacher, David Glass, who would bring his anatomy students, um, I think like twice a semester or something, to, uh, to a cadaver lab. Mm -hmm. And I think at the time it was Hunter College of Nursing or something. Mm -hmm. And would bring his students in and you could draw and stuff. And so I went in. You just kind of snuck in like Fast Times at Ridgemont yeah, High. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> right. Um, knew a couple of students in the class and, you know, and he gave me a pass, you know, so went in and was kind of just more fascinated by the... The whole thing. Yeah, like dealing with, and that's a big part of the anatomy lab as well, is that you're dealing with mortality, you know, yeah, right. and the human machine. And yeah. this is a person, but it's not a person anymore not, in a lot of ways. Does that affect the way that you think about and draw people or, or use people as subjects in, in like making artwork? Like that putting, putting yeah. the energy, put the life into the drawing? Yeah, I think because you, you really do start seeing a difference. Like when you see a... You know, if you're doing a drawing of a cadaver, it, it is lacking a it's life. Lifeless, yeah, right? and and that just the consciousness of that difference <laughs> becomes a really really profound type like of thing. That. And there's also like this. Um, I think this is kind of getting it, it gets away from the anatomy a little bit. But I think something that's really important for me is that sort of sublime poetry of of the cadaver in a lot of ways. Like you see residual evidence of someone's life. You know, oh, yeah. and you know, it might be you know nail polish or mm -hmm. something, and or reading the the case history, you know, uh, age and occupation, you know, and stuff like that. Do you that. ever look Does it at have that? I didn't realize. Yeah, and really? no names, right? Uh, it's incredibly respectful in this country. Yeah, uh, all the cadavers are uh, donated, freely donated. You know, so you end up in a registry and. Um, is that like the checking time. the box on your driver's license and uh, that's what happens? More or less, yeah. And I think there's it's a little bit more thorough and then the process be begins where you're, you know, uh, given to as an anatomical gift to a... What's to that a, pay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a short story in there somewhere, right? Um, which, which is a really interesting thing because you have this idea, this kind of respect for the whole system, you know, because somebody has willed themselves to be used for educational purposes, right. you know. So there's a lot of that and and it's very different in other countries and in Argentina for instance, they were unclaimed, you know, and that was disturbing. No, Meaning they were like homeless. Was that yeah. your, was that one of your first experiences that in was, Argentina? Yeah, that was my first like really intense one where um kind of audited the gross anatomy class for I think it was like a month and a half, something like that, and worked with teams of the medical students doing their dissections and kind of getting, I guess, my really first, my first introduction to... Getting your feet wet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> to the cadaver lab and um, what was happening. And I was just uh, like fascinated, you know. It's weird because um, everybody that wants to be like, whether they're my students or myself when I was kind of doing that or the medical students, you know, 
for it's really like a medical student. It's their first time seeing a cadaver as well. So you you're know? kind of all and in the same boat. Yeah. And there is a transition, you know, in the beginning it's, um, you know, it's a, disturbing a little yeah. bit, you know, and it's kind of heartbreaking too, because you start yeah. thinking about inevitably about your own mortality and, um, and things like that. So it takes a little bit of getting used to. And then after a while you start getting really not detached from it, but you're comfortable within right. that, uh, within that environment. And there's a great deal of respect that goes in there. So it's right. not like you feel like a tourist, you know, like, uh, like you're just kind of gawking at, at right. something, but you're actually using, uh, this person for something that they had intended themselves to be used right. for, you know, and which is really great. So, and that change does, I mean, that, that, do you feel like that's affected deeply the way that you're, you're sort of art, like these people have sacrificed this for me to, or for people to study. I'm here studying it. Like I need to take something away and, yeah. you know, put yeah. it into my work and. Yeah. And we work alongside the medical students. So right. they're, uh, they're learning. We're sort of, we're not doing anything active with the cadaver. We're not dissecting. The mm -hmm. medical students are. So they're dissecting and you're pretty much like standing back and, and observing and or drawing? It's, it's more like after after they have a lab, we come in and You're we'll, like the cleanup crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll kind of look at, uh, you know, let's say the they did a dissection of the thorax or something. We'll, we'll go in and really study the thorax that time. Then they might do a deeper dis dissection so we can't study right. the superficial anatomy of the, yeah. of the thorax again. And so, they have the muscles pinned back and... Yeah, mm, mm, or not they really. just remove them? Yeah, they just take them and put them back. They're sort of... Uh, it's maybe just dangling? Disart yeah, disarticulated in, right. in some places and yeah. stuff. It's but, better word than dangling. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really isn't as... As um, I, I kind of forget about this because now I'm in there a lot, yeah, and it's really not as gruesome as um, you know. It's not icky, <laughs> you yeah. know. It's it's a very very beautiful thing. It's, yeah, it's I mean, really I'm sure cool. it is. So was your first sure. time in New York or Argentina? It, well, it was in New York, okay. but then the serious, uh, I guess, the, my more serious introduction to it was in Argentina when I was there. Was it handled differently down there? Or? It was a little bit. It was um, it was a little bit more kind of ickier yeah. <laughs> you know? and there was I mean the at the medical school in Buenos Aires the I was drawing in they have a an anatomical museum there and I was drawing mm -hmm. and the director of the anatomy department was like oh you're drawing you know I was like hey I'd really love to like maybe draw some cadavers and stuff like that if if you give me the opportunity, and the guy's like, sure, and basically like gave me right a key now. to the a key to the lab. <laughs> introduced the me. He's like, you know, I think I can find an easel somewhere. Like really Italian sort of uh, energy. <laughs> Brought an easel in, and basically I was a fixture there That's for amazing. the time I was there. Wow. Yeah. So, th so really they allowed neat. you to. I mean, you were sitting there and just drawing. Yeah. So you can stay there as long as you want, or were yeah, they like they were, you're only they here? They were basically like stay as long as you want. Um, the, uh, anatomy labs are typically open 24 hours because the medical students can, right. you know, need to do a lot if they of need to go work. down and yeah. right. study. 
Yeah, stuff. and it's an intense thing for a medical student. I can't even fathom. My brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, just the amount of information that they take in that first year. So, are you looking anatomy. at? I mean, were you still trying to look at it as far as artistic anatomy as a, as opposed to gross anatomy? Because I mean, do you do you feel like the gross anatomy is also really important to learn? Like the really the inner inner workings as opposed to just the sort yeah. of superficial. I stuff? mean, the, yeah, because and that was the big difference was a lot of the um, anatomy books that were introduced to when we first pick up, you know, the little Dover edition of anatomy, <laughs> artistic anatomy. It's mostly on superficial muscles and yeah. things like that. And um, who even knew that there's anything underneath all of that, you know? <laughs> A it's heart? Like, yeah. But, or even the deeper muscles. It's yeah. like, wow, like I never knew that that. little muscles and stuff. Yeah. It's Had like, you done ecrochet that? before any of this? No, that was, um, that was something since you brought up. Screw uh, ecrochet. I go for the real deal. Well, but I mean, ecrochet, like you're actually reconstructing and you're yeah. doing it from the skeleton, then those, those underlying muscles. Yeah. And, and it was, um, it was not as available oh, right. when I was a student. Yeah. And it's amazing when you see, um, like a lot of my students will be doing the dissection classes, the the medical stuff, while they're studying ecorche. So they're really getting this like kind of surface down, and then this like deep structure to the surface, wow. and they just will get anatomy like like that, like right. really a, a profound understanding. That You're like was, when I was your age, <laughs> and they'll get it in, you know, <laughs> yeah, in a matter of weeks. And it, it's like, I mean, every day I walk into the anatomy lab, there's something else where it's just like, Oh, right. This makes sense now. Um, yeah. you know, it's gradual and, uh, taking baby steps towards that. But, um, but the meta, the art students now, I mean, they have a lot of access to things that we didn't have. We have apps on our phone that were, what oh, was that, that muscle is, again? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I've downloaded a couple of those. Incredible, yeah. <laughs> There's ones that you can like zoom around. Rotate and, the, and 3D yeah. off layers. They are yeah. pretty cool. And then press the button for the action and it'll yeah, show yeah, yeah, you like, yeah, yeah. what the muscle does. Yeah. And it's pretty cool. So you know. when you were in Buenos Aires, were you alone? Or were you with other art students? Or were no, you the I was. Art? I was there alone. I was there with a with a friend. And how did you research? Like, why Buenos Aires? How? What was the research that went into? Okay, I'm going to end up down there. It was an ex girlfriend who was um, was Argentinian, and oh. she was also a doctor. So that was the introduction to the. Yeah, oh, that's pretty lab. good yeah. connection. It's yeah. a good connection. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> so. You're using her just to get into the anatomy lab. <laughs> right. And then uh, you were like, all right, and back back in the States. Yeah. So at that point, um, I mean, it seems like you're you're continuing to kind of always explore that. And I've kind of, you know, when, yeah. when I see your work, you're always doing that. Um, but when you got back, were you... You know that idea of like I'm gonna just full on go and be a fine artist, or were you like still in that sort of I'm studying well, and doing some fine art, but studying, studying. The well, no, the the Argentina thing was actually fairly recently. I mean, it was like 2000 and what 2005. So you were like already that. like professional. Yeah, yeah you were already you was a yeah. professional yeah. artist, right? <laughs> <laughs> and but yeah, but then that started like I think really affecting my teaching and my art making a lot because in what way did it affect your art making? Well, it's kind of, it's a huge thing. Like I think even on the, the sort of level of when you're drawing a subject, for mm -hmm. instance, let's say a room, an empty mm -hmm. room, there's some, I think the reason I would want to draw that room would be that there's some sort of vacant, but 
uh, palpable human presence. So it's know? almost like you're, in a sense, it's the corpse. Like the room is the corpse yeah. of some presence that had once inhabited that room. Yeah, and there's like a forensic almost trace of, you know, you know, a code on a table or right. something like that mm -hmm. where you kind of get a feeling of, you know, what's come before that or what right. its potential is and things so like that. So there's some like mystery involved. And yeah. And then the anatomy was really like sort of like, oh, oh, this is sort of what I, I think I'm attempting to do. And then when you're looking at the human figure, you realize, like you start getting a really uh, very tactile sort of idea oh, yeah. of like what that form is doing, what the, you know, the weight distribution on a leg or what these things mean. And it's not taking the guesswork out or the surprise or the uniqueness of every situation by knowing this kind of universal language of anatomy or right. by any stretch, but it kind of gives you a little bit of insight into, into something and, um, and then able to sort of re reconstruct that right. in a lot of ways. You know, um, as you guys know, when you're doing portraits, you're seeing different expressions on people's faces all the time. Right, and picking and choosing what elements of yeah. what things. And over those long-term inquiries that we make, it's like, you'll see one day a model will have, like, be sort of pissed off. And right. you'll sense that, you know, and are you picking up on, like, microfacial expressions <laughs> right. or, you know, who knows. But I think that's what drives us to work from from what observation, they think, yeah. Observe, staring and yeah. spend all that money paying him off. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but um, you you also I think a lot of people who paint the way that we all paint, uh, I think a lot of them turn their backs towards the contemporary art world, mm -hmm. and I feel like you are somebody who doesn't do that. Who you're interested and aware of what's going on, and I feel like you are interested in how your work relates to the world that that work is also created for yeah. so that there's not this like line in the sand saying we're over here and they're yeah. over there you're just saying look i'm doing this thing and yeah i mean because i i think that we're we're contemporary artists you know i mean first can't and avoid foremost. it right yeah like we can't we don't have time machines yeah and or nor would we want to you know have those time machines in a lot of ways like what we're doing is is maybe part of a big lineage that may have started, you know, with caves and, you know, millennia ago. Right, right? Lasco. Yeah. Um, but, and it's, it's progressing, you know, and it seemed like the artists that I was always admiring, whether it was Giotto or Da Vinci or um, Caravaggio or, you know, whoever it was, they were very innovative and they were very forward thinking and they were kind of looking at uh, not just at the past and that's important. We don't want to mm -hmm. have like a... Um, like a historical society kind of... Yeah, you don't want to be, yeah, anachronistic about the way that you're approaching artwork yeah. nor do you want to kind of take a postmodernist approach to it and sort of say, well, let's sever all our ties with the past. The past right. is irrelevant. It isn't, you know. Right. Um, and looking at a lot of uh, contemporary art, I think there's some amazing stuff being done, you know, whether it's in architecture or um, <clears throat> in painting mm -hmm. or, you know, just you name it. And there's work that we'll <coughs> respond to and a lot of work that we won't respond to, you right. know. And, uh, and I, I just found that, like, the more I kind of looked into contemporary art, the more work started speaking to me a mm -hmm. little bit more, you know. Was um, it surprising, like, some of the work that you would never think you would like all of a sudden for some reason? I mean, considering reason, also, like, your childhood like trajectory. Yeah. yeah. It's... Yeah, it, it, that was a weird thing, though, because when I was 
when I first started studying, right, or living here in, in New York. Um, right in this area. It's in this area, yeah. I mean, you'd walk down the street and you'd see Bob Rauschenberg walking down the street. And, you know, you'd end up at a dinner party where, you know, these artists are Julian Schnabel. Cedar Tavern, into, like yeah. getting into fights or something. <laughs> Which I was like, at like nine for. years yeah. old. It's not <laughs> there like, anymore. Where did it go? Yeah, yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Um, Ah, the good old days. Cedar Tavern was a legendary place in New York where a lot of the the postmodernists would get apparently get into fights. Yeah, the Abex guys. That's right, like Pollock and all them, and they would get in legendary like arguments and then take it outside and (laughs) like fight on the street. Like uh, Mark D'Alessio and Ben Fenske. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) suggested donations, episode (laughs) eleven. Nice. And so, and I never, you know, really felt any hostility towards the fact that I, I wanted to draw stuff. I was looking at objects and drawing those objects and stuff like that. And the way so, they were. Yeah, yeah. And the artists, the, you know, the Abex artists and stuff like that were all like, that's awesome. You know, you're drawing, you're doing, right. you're doing stuff. And there was never really that kind of us Not against that them. patronizing, yeah, though, like, yeah. oh, that's great, yeah. you're drawing, you're going to grow up. Yeah. Someday you'll grow up. You, and you'll you become a real artist. Yeah, like, yeah. that... They're not, you're not getting... I think know. we all face that at one right. point, the kind of thing where, well, this is really just a phase you're going through and you'll get out of this. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, 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 wait, this is really um, a driving force. And I yeah. think that we have to ask ourselves, well, what do we really want to do with our artwork? And yeah. we're in a world where anything goes, you know? Um, but we have a desire to place that knowledge and information and what we're doing and sort of uh, it's an intellectual process as much as it is just, you know, hand-eye coordination or whatever. Understanding and and deeply like knowing what it is you're, you're after. Yeah. And with painting, like when I was studying, it's, you know, I I went into the art students league really looking at Edward Hopper and did you George go in Bellows there? Did you go in there pretty early, by the way? Yeah, I was like, you're pretty early. Like you were kind of, how old were you? Uh, 17. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was 14, but whenever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I went to music and art, but really oh, didn't, right. or LaGuardia, LaGuardia. LaGuardia yeah. the classes. What were, was that like? Was it, it was in hindsight, there was good aspects about it. Like you did have a lot of studio time and you got to just kind of familiarize yourself with materials, you know, right. um, this is turpentine and this is what it does. <laughs> you know, you don't, don't clean drink happens right when you pop it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um, but I wasn't really responding to a lot of the classes there. Just, right. um, you know, took a summer class at the New York studio school, which was pretty amazing. And, but it was very uh, modern in its approach. Like the the sort of gods there were Matisse and Giacometti, right? And they had a lot of a lot of really great things that were happening there at the school. But I was too young to appreciate it. It was like oh, yeah. I'm looking at I'm not looking at Giacometti because I didn't really respond to that. I was looking at people that were new to me. Like I knew Hopper and Andrew Wyeth and uh, George Bellows and a right. lot of the like the Ashcan school guys that and really you- pulled me into art school. But and did then, you know that just from being at LaGuardia and, and books? Was yeah, that it was mostly of, just books, you know, books. like looking at old copies of Jansen's and mm-hmm. kind of pulling oh, yeah. it out and looking at a Montaigne painting or something like that. But then I was really responding to a lot of the work that was done in the city that I was growing up in, you know, the, like the Ashkin oh, yeah, stuff. Right. And, yeah. You know, I could look out and see the Jefferson Market Library that John <laughs> Sloan had done a painting of, and it was amazing, you know, and very palpable to me. And Andrew Wyeth as well, you know, the right. 
the kind of um, uh, the reality of it or like the that, like, stark. honesty. Yeah. yeah. And but then you were exposed to other work at the studio school? Like? Yeah, like Caravaggio and oh, Titian right. and uh, a lot of guys that I hadn't at the right. time really uh, been introduced to, you right. know, and was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, who's this Karachi guy? didn't take the cross bus to the Met. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and was wondering about this Karachi guy oh, right, and yeah. wanted to learn how to draw. And then one of the, a uh, couple of the students, but then also one of the uh, the teachers, one of the drawing teachers there was like, you know what, you should really look into this place, the Art Students League, and um, went there and just never left. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so essentially, yeah. you know. Um, so when you were, it was about, you were about 17 yeah. when you were there. And so then, w- did you kind of search for what kind of teachers you wanted to study with, or was it like, I'm just going to go schedule allowing me to whatever? Yeah, I walked in there and uh, I was like, Hey, I'd like to register for a drawing class, and then you know how the catalog works. You just I remember looking at leafing hit, through and yeah. seeing like drawing. I mean, I remember seeing Peter Cox's drawings and be like, oh, Yeah, God. I don't remember that. <laughs> you guys are city kids. And I was like, Okay, I'd like to sign up for this class, and it was incredibly affordable. It was, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, um, that's the other thing, yeah. And I was still in high school at the time, so I ended up dropping out of high school in my senior year <laughs> to go to the Art Students League. They're like, well, you can't register and for it. And that was okay that you... Uh, I had to do it on the sly, so they were like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. You're like, Mom, I'm going to school. <laughs> yeah, see you later. And uh, Did so, it really trick Yeah, you? so I Did went to pretend? the office, and they were like, well, you can't take a life drawing class if you're unless you're 18 without parental consent. And I was like, oh, did I write? Uh, and I changed the date. <laughs> you know? And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And so it was right. in the classroom. It was just easier back they're then. They're pretty relaxed. And, yeah. Yeah. and then I was there for ID, a little while. what ID. And then fessed up to my, to my mom, you know, hey, I've. You know, I, I kind of left going school. to school. Yeah, and, and I'm at the Art Students League and, and she stuff was, like that. And she you, was, she was cool. She was very cool about it. Um, that's amazing. Can you quickly, yeah. like, I don't want to leave this because this is super interesting. But could you tell that one story about your last day of school? Oh gosh, that. <laughs> that's the best story. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you don't have to. You oh, know. that's yeah. That's kind of a long. I wouldn't know how to abbreviate it, but basically, it's. Um, I won't go into details. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, New York was a kind of rougher place than it is nowadays. I mean, it was very yeah. different. Very yeah. different. And we talked about that a lot. Right. Like being, ch- like we, you learn how to run because you know <laughs> you get. And you learn like and... codes for telling your friends when to start running and. I mean, dodging bullets. Literally, and, I mean, I've literally yeah. dodged several bullets. Yeah, I, and we talked about that a few years ago, too, <laughs> and I, I think we both had a similar thing. Now where, you carry an AK. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> where you, like, the sound of a bullet yeah. going past, like, sounds like the a bumblebee, wi- you know? Yeah, well, the, and then yeah. the hitting the wall, I, I just remember thinking, it's a, like... It's like a smack, I've heard that But before. it's so, like, it's so sad and anticlimactic. I mean, it's so, like, you realize when it chips away at like a concrete wall and your ear is very close to that wall, like you realize how primitive this weapon is. Essentially yeah. somebody is throwing a little a hot piece of metal yeah. really fast at you with this device that's very, I mean, it's, it's very really primitive. Arm. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, yeah, New York was kind of like that. And New York public school, even <laughs> even if it was like right. the fame school. The artsy school. still had. <laughs> had elements of the uh, the street gangs that were around, you know, yeah. so uh, like the Decepticons. Oh, right. I remember yeah. those days, <laughs> right? <laughs> were they in LaGuardia back then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- and Public Enemy was another Oh, right, Public one. Enemy, I remember, yeah. yeah. I almost got beat up for wearing a Public Enemy shirt once. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and they're little stencils. That was the first time I saw, which became a oh, huge yeah. like contemporary, like the Banksy. Right now, it's very thing. expensive. It's <laughs> right, like, quite chic, but back then you could get killed for. <laughs> but there was like the the Decepticons logo, which was basically a ripoff of the Transformer of thing. The Decepticons, right? Spray, I mean, it was the, it was the, the Transformers OG thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was happy to leave <laughs> high school, <laughs> you know, at that point, and the Art Students League was. Even though it was like what ten blocks away from LaGuardia, it was just like this um, sanctuary, you know, yeah. a place where fewer gangs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> only by a little bit though. Yeah, they rolled deep in the Art Students League. So, so you got so ganged you, out of. That so you pretty LaGuardia. much like there was a point when it was like the last day of like your you know you know public school, and you were like. But the thing yeah. is, is I, I mean I, I ask because it's a you know it's a it's a funny story, but. Um, Probably at not that, funny at the time. Not at all. <laughs> but did you know at that point, like, I want to be an artist. Like, I well, want to spend time at the Art Students League because this I, is what I want to do with my life. Yeah, I, it was kind of, it's a little bit of a convoluted thing, but I was, I was kind of focusing a lot on architecture and at LaGuardia and um, model making and things like that and kind of thinking, like, maybe film, maybe architecture, that type of, type of thing, and was sort of pre-selected to go to uh, Cooper Union or like waitlisted and decided I was going to defer either way. Which was free way. at the time. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was this amazing deal. Yeah. And, but sort of similar to the studio school, I think um, a lot of the emphasis was not on drawing. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. And when I was, when I went to the Art Students League and I was looking at these like Karachi drawings and, and things like that and drawing from observation and having some, I mean, really outstanding teachers, right. you know, Ted Seth Jacobs and, and Peter Cox and Ron Cher, right. there were just uh, incredibly insightful and I was hooked, you know, and yeah. just loved doing yeah. that. And and, oh yeah, Ron Cher's portrait drawings and they yeah. just blow me they away. They are remarkable. And his, um, he did some pieces that I haven't seen them in, in years, but these very large scale drawings of these antique lay figures, these mannequins, oh, some of the most right. beautiful drawings I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just remarkable. It's like a zeitgeist thing, right? Anagoni was doing the mannequin. Yeah. Everybody was sort of into the mannequins yeah. for a little while, but it's, it's pretty neat. And yeah. And what then, do you think that's, a, is that, does that relate at all to the, like the dissection and the corpse and yeah, I think in a lot of ways it, it references so many different things like the, the sort of, um, sort of like the the uncanny or something. Like mm -hmm. there's this great essay by um, by Sigmund Freud, the the uncanny, basically mm -hmm. about um, stuff that's familiar yet strange, and trying to kind of explain this kind of unease that you get if you're looking right, like this human instance. form, yeah. but it's so not human. Yeah, it's, it's devoid kind of, creepy, of right? yeah. And so I think, like, as an artistic device, it's a really interesting thing, whether it's, like, Hans Bellmer or, you know, Anagoni or... Right. And you've you know, used them. Yeah, yeah, I use them a lot. Like, I think a lot of still lives, still live objects for myself, really um, what draws me to them is if they have a human presence, mm -hmm. you know, this was actually used or something, or it looks like a person, or this isn't just a jacket off the shelf, this yeah. was my... Grandfather's right. jacket. There's something yeah. uh, people will really say. About that, I mean, that, what people will say it's like it has character. Yeah, something like that. But it sounds like there's yeah. almost like a like metaphysical it. quality yeah. to what yeah. you're doing or what you're pursuing in terms of your art. Yeah, and that's what I, I'd really like to go after. Right. Is that is that kind of thing? Like, is there a possibility of like translating that to the point where you either magnify, you know, or 
um, really respond to that type of thing. And again, back to the drawing from life kind of thing. It's right. like, that's really, you're going to have a very different experience if you're doing um, something, if you're breathing the air mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, hearing the sounds. And well, it's a collection of experiences and moments and, you know, yeah. it winds up being a very long-term, I mean, it, Working on a drawing forever yeah. is a long-term endeavor, and then w- sharing that time with another living presence yeah. is maybe different than you know just closing the door and yeah. know, having some uh, like a photograph that you're yeah, and that's I, I think like and such not an necessarily interesting better or worse, but yeah, very different. Right? Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's completely different, and yeah, neither you know, not more or less valid in a lot of ways, but people are after different things. Yeah. And, but it's, it's amazing. Like I think that, uh, for myself and a lot of like the response is that thing that's not necessarily can't really be there on a a manifest level on the artwork, on the art form, you know, like the passage of time, you're looking at one image, but there is definitely a sense of that passage of time, you know, Oh, yeah. Not just the fact that you were working on this for ages, yeah. but even the sort of cumulative experience of that uh, that synthesis of looking at something for as long as you are mm-hmm. and giving to that and the hyper focus. And I think that's the the kind of amazing thing. Like, you know, Andrew Wyeth, I think, really kind of was it was the first time I was aware of that. At least mm-hmm. was the kind of nostalgia or something of or horror that he could convey in a tree limb or, you know, a hook hanging off of a wall or something like, whoa, how does that work? Like the power of that, like of that as an icon that it it like grips you. And you feel like that somehow is related to his actually just sitting out there looking at that hook. Well, I don't know. Or, you know, like I've heard different things like, um, I know he worked from life a lot, but I've Mm -hmm. also heard that he's, that he worked from photographs a lot as well. So just a donation podcast. <laughs> right. Um, but what's amazing to me is that he was able to, whether it was drawn from direct observation or memory or from a photo reference or something like that, he was able to extrapolate something that was much bigger than what actually the subject right. was. Yeah. You know? Like it's not about the object. The object is a symbol for something. Yeah. And he's like really milking that. Yeah. When, like when I made my first pilgrimage out there and you see like the Kerner's farm or something right. like that, I, I sort of disappointed because it yeah. didn't really look it's like a Wyatt painting. It's not as powerful yeah. as it's the, just the, like, the, you know, the expression from the artist. Yeah. But it's you go through farm. that area and I mean, the everything looks like a Wyatt. I mean, like just yeah. aesthetically the land, like the way that the hills roll and the, the colors, the palette is so like, it's yeah. just so dead on Andrew Wyatt. I mean, yeah. It, I find that amazing. Like, uh, I have some friends who live around there, and yeah. it just, I love going there, and particularly yeah. in the winter. Yeah. It's just it's, got that, like, stark quality. That, yeah, it, it does. And sort of being new to Philadelphia, that area, I mean, oh, it's right. really close to Chad's Ford and stuff like that. There is kind of a, a kind of old sensibility. It's almost like, it's like American literature. Like, uh, it has some elements of, like, um, Melville or Jack London or something right. in it, and there's something like uh, a little bit it's like gritty, like harsh life. Yeah, like and yeah, killing animals and, and very like Quaker. Meat. Like there's something like really yeah. sort of uh, just repressive, but then also like 
seething under the surface <laughs> and kind of deranged. It's, it's pretty cool. It's, you know, it's funny is that we're. I'm definitely going to talk about uh, Melville again because I know your 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 love for Moby Dick mm-hmm. and all that, and I do. But you know, back to the idea. But back to the um, the Art Students League. Um, you met. Ted Seth Jacobs there, and I yeah. know you studied with him for a bit, mm-hmm. and you went out to France, yeah. and you spent a, quite a bit of time out there studying. Yeah, he him. was, it was really neat, like, uh, studying with him, he was really very scientific in his approach to, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the people we've or studied science with. science fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was really, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, there was a really strong emphasis on observing and sort of problem solving and stuff like that. And so really responded to, to his teaching. And then that was his last year at the league. And then and decided he was, like, was going to go out to France and open a school. So I ended up kind of following out, out there for, it was like 13 months the first time I was there and then went back again for six months. And so and was you were just living and it was in, Farm, like you were in the middle of nowhere, yeah. France, right? Pre-internet days. Yeah, so you <laughs> yeah. were isolated. You're young, yeah. young New Yorker out on a farm in yeah. the middle of France. And then, and then some of the other students. So, black. <laughs> yeah, and Martine Vogel, who's a sculptor, um, had students there too. And so you had a lot of, um, not a lot, but you had a few sort of young New York or California, like kids from LA or mm-hmm. from New York. In the middle of nowhere, it's just like farm country. You guys must have gotten in you know, a lot of trouble. But yeah. yeah, it was. <laughs> we ended up going one day to the to the supermarket, realizing, oh my gosh, they have fireworks. And you remember, like, in New <laughs> having York, to go to Chinatown yeah. and get mugged, get on them the way, out of the right? back yeah. of the trunk of uh, a guy's car <laughs> in Little Italy or something like that. But there, you could buy them from the supermarket. So we decided to set up these games of um, basically capture the flag, but using high explosives, <laughs> right? and. It was hilarious, and this is what you know. What you know, bored eighteen Americans year old kids, doing yeah. in the middle of nowhere, France. <laughs> so yeah, it, and it, but it was also incredibly focused. Like you had nothing but the books that you had with you, and a box of M eighties, <laughs> right? A box of M eighties, um, some yeah, coffee, cigarettes, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and then and working all the time, and so so, so that's an intense of, focus. Yeah, I mean, that must have been, been amazing. Yeah, it's like a year and a really half cool. or more of of just every. I mean, was it a six seven day a week thing or was it a five day? A yeah, week it was thing? five days a week. But then on the you know was it all day the, all morning all afternoon all afternoon? Day? Yeah, and then typically in the evening, what else are you going to do except uh, draw your friends you know, so you trade drink. or drink yeah. yeah and the weekends you do landscapes and stuff like that and so it was really like that immersion I think you know when we first kind of went into like the let's say the class at the at the National Academy it was right. you know three hours once a week yeah, yeah. you know yeah but then pretty soon you're putting in like 18 hour days yeah. every single day yeah. at this thing and you're kind of building up a you know Moves endurance fast. yeah and it's uh it was, it's really, it was a really great experience. And then coming back to New York, he wasn't there, but then had a lot of the other instructors, oh, like you know, Tony so Ryder, not Tony Ryder so much. He was, he was a little bit more like, uh, with Ted would oh, sort infer- of, yeah, right. substitute for him and stuff like that. And then back in New York, it was like Ron Cher, Peter Cox, Jacob Collins mm-hmm. and, you know, 
um, that you start getting exposed to uh, that were doing work amongst others. You know, there was like at SBA, there was Max Ginsburg and Steve Assell. Right. And, uh, you know, at the league, Harvey Dinnerstein mm -hmm. and, you know, a bunch of people that were, and Nelson Bert Shanks Silverman. and stuff, Bert Silverman, yeah. At and, any at any point were you, um, you know, uh, at the league and all that, that you were like, I'm kind of over studying and I just kind of want to do my own thing? Or were you really happy with just studying with a different teacher to see what they're all about? Yeah, like the, um, like Peter Cox like had a very very different approach to work. It was much more compositional. He was like aggressive you know? too, wasn't he? Wasn't he? I'll preface this with he is the kindest person I have ever met in my entire life. Right, but the first day I was at the, at the league, was, I brought this up to him, um, and he doesn't remember this. But <laughs> um, I was walking down the hallway, and I there's row of lockers, and I heard somebody basically yelling at his class, like none of you know how to draw. It was your like, why are you in my painting class if you don't? understand or even make an effort at, at learning to draw stuff and what's wrong with you and the door swings open and uh, basically Rucker Hauer from Blade Runner <laughs> walks out you know puts a Nat Sherman cigarette in his mouth lights it in the hallway and like walks walks out and I looked at the little sign on the door and it said Cox and um, I like opened up the door and I was like is what class was this? <laughs> it's Peter Cox's class. Was that Peter Cox? Uh, yeah, and I signed up for his class. Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> like, oh, I was there. Well, I remember. Yeah, yeah, when I was sixteen, I had studied with a couple other people there, and when I got to Peter's class, he was like, I mean, that was where I felt like I was with somebody who was actually. T I mean, because I was a little kid, I always looked way younger than I was, and. I felt like there's a guy who's actually taking me seriously, and I yeah. felt like I was getting something. I mean, yeah. it ultimately, you know, isn't exactly the way it worked, but I do feel like it really fed something that I was, you know, that I was really after, yeah. you know, and that he, uh, I was seriously trying, and it was definitely the best work, you know, yeah. in my sort of young life that I did. And he was incredibly inspiring. I mean, is, you yeah. know, um, is incredibly inspiring. He'd bring in, uh, you know, just run the gamut. He turned me on to the amazing Spider-Man, you know. Oh, right. uh, hey, look at the compositions in these. Yeah. It's a little bit more... A little different from well, what's happening in Rubens. Are, yeah, they're yeah. active and there's a lot of action in them. Yeah, and then kind of as well. Then then the next day it would kind of turn you on to another, you know, a painter, a contemporary right. painter, or historic, uh, you know, or Caravaggio bringing a Caravaggio book or something, and it was just. You well, know. that's something that you continue to do, right? I mean, you look at movies and get inspired, yeah. and I mean, you you draw your inspiration from all different art forms, yeah. and a lot of them modern art forms, it, not as in modern art, but as in like film. Or, yeah, and I mean that was, and that's really, I think the one of the reasons behind it is that you know there is a whole world out there where there's a lot of innovative thing, you know, things happening. Like film composition really started with painting systems and stuff, but then it took it and ran with it. Now it's doing some just incredibly interesting it's things. Thing really what, are, what, movies, what are some of your favorite movies? Star Wars. No, I'd say more like <laughs> Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just Ridley the, Scott. the visual sensibility of that. Um, a number of years ago, um, there was a movie, a Jim Jarmusch film, uh, Dead Man. That yeah, that was great. I think was the... And maybe perhaps one of the reasons why I'm focusing a lot more on drawing than on painting now is like there was a such a black and white. It's filmed it's, in black, it's and, black white. and white. Yeah. That's the Western but, one, right? With, yeah, with Johnny Depp right, goes yeah. out yeah. west, and <laughs> but it had such a like 
a kind of American bleakness to it yeah. that I had never like sort of Melville. seen. Yeah, exactly. That I've never really seen. Uh, that's not true. Like you can see it in like Grant Wood, and you can see it in Bellows, and you can see like but it had that, a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it had this like very strong sensibility of that, of that like kind of bone etched. Um, sort of Moby Dick kind of thing where everything seems like it's like bleached with salt and right. bone and hard you know, scrabble yeah. life and and I, I just really love that and the I, I think for myself like drawing that's where drawing really came into it like painting is it's amazing you know right. but I think like that kind of separation from reality or the increased separation from reality like no matter how rendered something is you're always detached from it. Right. You know, it's it's a black and white world. Right. It's not wet. You know, practically, it's an immediate medium. It's yeah. like you work on it any time. You pull out a sketchbook and you're drawing. You right. know, um, so I think I was like kind of responding to that. Back to the contemporary thing. Um, going through art school, you get introduced to a lot of painters. You yeah. know, which is part of your education, and a huge part of it was the kind of 19th century. You know. Yeah. Bouguereau, Delaroche, all that, all that kind of stuff. And you're studying it and going to museums just to see these pieces and you're learning a lot about the craft of painting. And then one day I just, I went to a museum and I was just like, dude, I don't really like these paintings. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't sure why. And I was like kind of going through some sort of existentialist dilemma. Walking through, looked up and there was an Anselm Kiefer on the wall. Uh-huh. And it just it moved me, you know, and walked into another room and there was a Rothko there. And I was like, ah, it was almost like a sigh of relief. And I was like sort of at this crossroads where, well, I'm not going to paint anything like that. You know, it's not in me. It's not my urge, you know, but started getting interested, you know, more just uh, like the novelty of it and kind of keeping up to date with what's going on. But then kind of seeing a lot of, uh, sort of visual sensibilities like actually answered by a lot of the contemporary artists that um, a lot of my, like the old school, the sort of old heads, you know, wouldn't, would sort of dismiss Just immediately. It, right. Yeah. They wouldn't look at it at yeah. all. And yeah, ex- exactly. And yeah, and there was like, I think it was more of like the, even the time period, like the, um, like the Victorian era mm-hmm. didn't quite gel with my sensibility. I think like the naturalists it, it did a lot more. It was too floofy and too... <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> too right. fancy boy. And we're in a great pretty world here. Yeah. And then like the naturalists started kind of getting at something like Lepage or something yeah. where it was a lot more like, wait a minute, let's let's kind of show the dirt on people's dirtier. feet. Yeah. yeah. And the writing at the time, like yeah. Zola and, and Hismans and all that kind of stuff was really about like that response to the real world. World War One, you know, all some, that kind yeah, of stuff some happens. Some of those paintings that were coming out, and they're not very famous paintings, but uh, when you see some of those paintings that were done in the early 20th century because of the influence of the war, it's like yeah. they're so powerful. Yeah. Even yeah. the ones that weren't, you know, the subject matter wasn't World War One. Yeah. But it, like that sort of, the idea that at any point you can read in a newspaper that 30,000 people <laughs> yeah. died yesterday. And how do you process like, that? How, do yeah. you, how does that not influence and every a, society on the planet. Yeah, and a lot of those guys were, you know, like like Otto Dix and guys like that were trained artists and yeah. draftsmen and stuff like that. And then they're like witnessing the horrors of mustard gas in the yeah. trenches somewhere. 
and, uh, and then what happens to Victorian ideals that kind of goes out the window. It seemed yeah. like you needed a revolution, you know, in art to happen where it kind of throws it on its head. Unfortunately, you know, that did sever a lot of ties to yeah. the training, you know. It severed, um, the, it severed ties to the old world, period. Like World yeah. War One is that sort of benchmark. Yeah. Of after, it was before this. Yeah. And then everything in the modern world was after World War One because yeah. it was so horrific. Yeah. Like the sheer amount of people that were everybody on the planet yeah. was affected, it's and it, it created it. I mean, it changed every way that things were Everything. looked at. You know, it's like oh, the nobility of a cavalry charge, yeah. like in a Napoleonic yeah. thing, and then it, that know, lasted like for not, about a month before yeah. <laughs> people were like, "All right, that's good." For like a few hundred years, yeah. and in a month, they were like, it doesn't work anymore, and yeah. everything changed. Like every single thing about society changed after World War. Yeah, it's it's kind of, some of it to me is like it's kind of too. I remember you know looking at it when I was uh, younger, and it was like too. I didn't know why, but it looked too scary. Yeah, and not the World War One stuff. Like the work being done of yeah. the era looked too too raw yeah and angsty and yeah. uh you and know you loved art. it <laughs> well yeah i mean to a certain extent but then there's also like the you know it's, when you're looking at something for from observation really yeah. there is a calm about it you know or like a quiet to a wyeth but the undercurrent beneath it and i think with a lot so of american strong. literature there's something that's just right. oh there's something uh this lonely complete power yeah yeah that's something I'm, I'm pretty fascinated with is that sort of apple pie and um, stars and stripes kind of American, you know, sensibility. But there is this kind of, you know, Martin Eden um, type of American sensibility that... It's so unique yeah. on the, in the history of the world. Yeah. Americana, whether it's something as like, hey, it's, you know, Route 66 or but just... American things, especially yeah. old past American things, and, you know, back to like things like Moby Dick and everything. Yeah. When you're reading, yeah, um, and, and I and I, I remember you bringing it up to you know me and actually us like so long ago, uh -huh. and I remember trying to read it. And I think, and it was like it took me a <laughs> while, but you were on that a long time ago. Yeah, and and like sort of in a like, I'm not saying this is a very healthy thing, but it was pretty <laughs> obsessive. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of those things, like a painting, you know, you'll look at a, you know, like a Velasquez painting, you'll see it 15 years later, and it'll be the same painting, but, but different. It's it's, yeah, and it's, it has layers that you didn't even yeah. perceive. And the first time I read Moby Dick, I was in the middle of nowhere in Europe. So, you know, in <laughs> farmland. So you have all that time to kind of lend yourself to the cadence of right. a book like that. And it's, it's a it's an ordeal, you know. There are yeah. books that I've tried to read, Ulysses, for instance, that's, by James Joyce, and I can't even. Get Have you past read it. much of the like Russian, like Tolstoy and Dostoevsky? A little bit. I feel like some yeah. of that has a similar quality yeah. to what you're describing. I mean, I've yeah. like uh, it might have just been the time in my life that I read it, but Crime and Punishment was like a really brutal book to get through, yeah. and like I have like nightmares about that. You know, the I don't know what I was feeling when I was reading it you know it just it like it got to me in a like yeah. messed up way and I, I think it's amazing like that i i would really like to believe that that comes through in our artwork you know those things that really affect us you well, know that's the i mean that ideally the nightmares right and, art yeah. i mean whatever if it's nightmares if it's inspiring yeah. if it's but it's it grab it it 
actually connects in a really deep way yeah. and that's I mean that's what great literature does it's what great films do that kind of means you guys are doing a little bit of an abstraction too though I yeah. mean you're putting your own you're putting something into it that's what makes it different than a photograph is what we're always yeah. saying yeah. I think we're constantly um, doing mini like tiny moments of abstract expressionism the whole time you're painting you know, we're taking stuff out of its appropriate context, yeah. you know, and by its nature, it's like what we're doing is an abstraction. It's, it's it, it extrapolating is, yeah. and synthesizing whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, Which is funny because once while we were editing, I was like, so you guys are doing abstract painting. And Tony was like, eh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, it's the thing is, is that when you try I just to, didn't want to agree with you, Jack. <laughs> yeah. So are you painting... Or are you really just focusing on drawing? Like, do you still, I, you still painting or? A, a little bit here and there, but it's, it's like, it's so similar to drawing at right. this point. It's almost completely monochromatic. Um, you're painting. I'll paint. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll paint every once in a while, but it's but really. You're, you're just more Your paintings in. were always like, I always felt like they were drawings in a yeah. weird way. You know, in the sense that I would see them and they look so full and like, like what paintings do and there was depth and everything. But. Um, they felt like they were these tangible, almost like drawing hmm. things. It's yeah, something there's a that solidity I've, I've, in your work. Yeah, that, I've always been sort of fascinated by your your work in general. Not only your drawings, obviously, but your paintings too, because they were they were different. And not like, hey, Mike's doing something a little different. You know, he's being he's trying to be different. He's off on his own, he's, man. He's and I think this stuff is. Out of Toothpaste. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, right. well, you are. Really <laughs> but I think, like, when we when we talk about when we talk about like our favorite artists, and, right. and we're I think we've all been blessed with having some of the like seriously some of the great artists are our friends, yeah. you know, and people yeah. that um you know when we when your work comes up and it's like we're always just like there's an honesty in his work that is is something that I think everybody is like trying to go for. Well, I I really appreciate you saying that, and I think like. A yeah. lot of that comes from, you know, our attitude, like even growing up in New York and the sort of, you know, the edge of the punk era, you know, yeah. a lot of it was just like, you know, it, I mean, it sounds kind of awful, but you know what, if it gives you the weird spidey sense, don't do it, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, like painting was beginning to do that for me. And I'd rather it just like not happen, you know, mm -hmm. and not be like, like, well, you know, I really should do a painting of this because you're you supposed know, to and yeah. like and we and, and like back to the punk thing it's the reason why you know when we originally started like met we got along so well not only because we liked art but because we had that sort of yeah. do-it-yourself attitude yeah sort of punk rock you know music that idea that you just you do it not to be different yeah but because it was like yeah i'm gonna do that because that's cool yeah like i don't care what other people say mm. as elementary as that sounds but yeah. yeah, and it, it's not, and it's not just simply self indulgence, but it's also like you know what this pleases me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm enjoying this, and you'll, as you know, you guys have gone the way that you're not supposed to. You're supposed to, right. to you know, whatever, become accountants and yeah. whatever, <laughs> right? Or graphic designer. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know, you took a big chance, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's. Nothing can hurt you more yeah. than like a bad painting day. But yeah. nothing, feeling like, but nothing can fulfill that. Like when it's when it's right. I haven't nothing had that yet. Better. But nothing yeah. is better. Yeah. 
Um, but your drawings are also very painterly. Like there's, I mean, you experiment a little bit with materials yeah. and you're using like solutions and yeah. gouache a little bit. Which is basically like painting right. yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, and then <laughs> your paintings also you experimented with, like mm -hmm. you were doing uh, a little bit of uh, egg tempera, yeah. right? Yeah. And a little bit of encaustic. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. I have kind of, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not, but what you were just saying before about, you know, that you look at a painting and then you go back later and see all these different layers. How much of that is intentional by the artist? How much of that is something that you're putting into it in a conscious way? Yeah, it, it's weird. I, I don't think it is really uh, conscious all the time. I, I mean, I think there's that sense of, like, there is an honesty about something. Like, I did this drawing a while ago that was just, like, doing a fucking nosedive like it was a car crash this thing and ended up like using a lot of really strange materials on it like pouring enamel on it and redrawing it and all this kind of stuff and the drawing was at the time at least I was sort of like hey this this works out wouldn't you know the next thing the next piece I do I'm pouring enamel on it and it was just like you know what this is just a, such a bunch of bullshit it's like it was completely <laughs> and it was like that kind of thing where you're trying to will Right. That thing yeah. and it, the right. will just wasn't happening. It's like when a painting happens or a drawing happens or something like that, it's, it's almost doing itself for I, you. But I you do know? find like the experience, and it, it's one of the most illuminating things of, of like copying master works yeah. is you know, you go and copy a Michelangelo drawing and you start to realize that they're like what looks like an accident is not an accident. Like, yeah. everything is deliberate. There's meaning in every yeah. hatching mark. I mean, like, there's no, there are no mistakes. And yeah. you realize that there's, like, this whole deeper level where you can appreciate a Michelangelo, whoever you are, yeah. and look at, the, look at the drawing and say, that's a beautiful drawing. But when you've copied it, you start to realize it's working on levels, yeah. you know, that, and, you know, maybe getting into that metaphysical realm where, like, Every mark is deliberate, every mark is meaning, and every yeah. mark is exactly where he wanted it to be. I, I completely agree with you, but then it, it also seems like it's incredibly natural right. in a lot yeah. of ways. You well, know? it might be innate, like, but yeah. it's, I mean, everything is, like, is doing, it, it's serving yeah. a purpose. Like, yeah. there are no accidents, I think. It, it's funny, like, if, like, when you're mixing up paint, for instance, mm -hmm. like, you're doing that with an extraordinary amount of experience and sophistication and stuff like that. Like, okay, you know exactly what this is going to do, more or less, you know, right. that kind of thing. And you're putting uh, a very organized statement onto a canvas, and cumulatively, you're organizing that with thousands of other statements, right? Um, when you first or at least when I first picked up a palette, it was just like, uh, yeah, uh, right. And you try and mix color, just a little like, bit of green. Yeah, right. it's, it's a disaster. <laughs> but and I think that everything is has a meaning there. It's it's remarkable that this thing that you thought was a smudge is actually a very meaningful. Right. Uh, I mean, statement. in Rembrandt, right? Yeah. Like there's or Turner, there are smudges, but they're deliberate smudges. Like he smudged it for a reason. Yeah. And and does it perfectly? It's like yeah. there's. Um, like the there's a concept in sort of in Japanese culture like mushin it's sort of like heartless mindless and it's not being stupid or cold and calloused but it's about responding to something honestly right yeah. and you achieve that through training you know through vast amount of like training and doing something over and over again until you're just like totally like this yeah, is happening. Like, it's, it's like, like an it's athlete. It's like muscle like memory. Rafael yeah, Nadal yeah. hitting a forehand or something. Yeah. Like he's putting a, yeah. he's not maybe thinking like, I have to put this much top spin on because I'm on clay and this guy's got a weak back or whatever. Right. But like 
it just he does it and yeah. he's looking like he's exploiting somebody's weak backhand or, yeah the idea is that you're you know the way you approach your drawing that these same things are coming into your life outside of you, you know, Michael Grimaldi artist, like you have a child. You're a father. You're a father. <laughs> like these ideas of Michael how Grimaldi gonna, father. How, you, <laughs> how you're going to raise your, your child. And even, I mean, it, what, yeah. what's great is that you were, you were a ranked fencer, weren't you? Like yeah. New York State, like more than New York. I, I don't know. I don't remember your title. Olympic you were, gold yeah. medalist? You were, uh, you no. were <laughs> bronze medalist. Uh, not even close. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you something. Didn't 16. you like, you know, fight some of like the Olympic team or anything? What yeah, is it called when you it. like yeah. you fight them? You slap them with a glove and then you take it outside. <laughs> what is it called when you like a match? Is it a match? Uh, yeah, about about. But, there yeah. you go. So yeah, I was I was fencing for a long time competitively yeah. and things like that, and um, yeah, you traded in your epee for an AK, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like, remember trying to fence you with mall sticks, and you just—it just, was scary. Like, I remember, like, I remember having had bruises this, on my body because you're like, Duh. I'm like, amazed you know we had our eyes. The thing, and, yeah, it was amazing. It was like a really but, stupid thing you're doing. Yeah, but. don't ever, don't ever go to to, to Michael with the with the mall. But stick. it was an interesting thing because, like, the I mean, the fencing was sort of, um, it was to me identical to drawing in a lot of ways, um, and then so different because you know what you knew it if you won or lost and that was it you know and oh, in drawing right. it's like some sort of ambiguous vague yeah. area where you're you spent your months like, yeah. loving yourself hating you yourself that one. and other people are like you <laughs> lost miserably yeah you can't win drawing yeah <laughs> but uh, i mean winner back to the back to the thing with like raising uh raising a child, child I mean, yeah. yeah i mean probably all empathize with this is yeah. it's a learning curve you know when oh yeah when my daughter was first born, I, you know, had this panic thing. Yeah, like I I've, I've got to, I've got to teach more. I've got to do this. I've got to sell more artwork. I've got to start painting again instead of drawing and the works on paper because that's not panning out, you know. And then you start realizing, like after a little while, you have the capability of exactly. going survival, yeah. or you say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of being dishonest with this. Is this really like what I want to do? Do I want, you know, do I want to potentially resent? being a father just because this kid is but, here doesn't right. mean i have to stop drawing but then you find that point where it's sort of like pouring the enamel on a on a drawing but it's right. not you start realizing well you know what no let's just kind of find that thing that works for you again and if it's yeah it's if it's getting you know the studio time or quitting this or doing that or you know yeah and so i, I would like to believe that a lot of that kind of ties back at, you know i'm really stubborn and i'll do the, really a bad set of decisions for a really long time until finally, <laughs> you know, I'll just be like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that head's not too big. Not too big. Oh my God, the head's way too big. <laughs> but, um, That's great. but yeah. So, so that, so where do you think you're going to go with what you're doing as far as art, as an artist? Uh, where where do you see the art world going and where back do you Back to see, painting, and abstract do you have expressionism. A place, yeah. Do you have a place in it? Um, I'm not. I'm not so sure. I mean, like, I'm not sure if I if I do have a play. I'd like to believe I do. You know, um, I think, I, does it matter I to you? I, I think you do. <laughs> if you'd asked me that maybe a few years ago, I would have said no. It doesn't matter. Um, I think we need to communicate. Right. You know, or we have a desire to communicate. But you've kind of and, taken yourself out of like the gallery world, and you're you're yeah. doing it more on your own, right? I mean, your yeah. model is basically that. 
people are coming to you and and dealing directly with you. Right? Yeah, essentially, which is which you is really lucky. What we all want to do. Well, <laughs> again, it's do kind you of feel lucky. Every, but any regret that you're not like? I mean, I, I feel regret that I don't get to see your work more often, and that I I mean, I would want to see shows even if they're just at your studio. Yeah, know. I'd like to get it out there more, and 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 like, the internet's such a sorry way to yeah. look at yeah. art, right? and it, it really is no comparison. It's right. I mean, it's bizarre when you see a, a painting that you've seen for ages on the internet or in a yeah. book or something like that. Um, and it seems yeah. to let you down a lot of times yeah. when you actually see something. You're like, ah, it's not that. it looked better on the internet. <laughs> I, I think a lot of what like sort of got me away from the gallery scene for mm -hmm. a while was really the, the that transition that was like going from painting gradually into drawing and oh, stuff. Right. And it the was galleries like, being like, can we get more paintings? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like basically, hey, that's a work on paper. That's like you're not going to get as much dough for that. And it's like, right. well, and they take just as long. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and you put a lot of emphasis on that and it's like, well, you know, if, well, how about if we mix drawings and, and paint? It's like, no, let's like make and a so statement. And so you're finding yeah. people who recognize the value in the thing that you're doing and they're not going to categorize it as something less because it's a work on paper. They appreciate it yeah. because they know you and they get a sense of what yeah. you're after. And, and it, it's few and it's few and far between, you know, and it's like, um, you know, but it's the work that I like to do. Right. And if there's a place that, you know, I, I'm lucky because I enjoy teaching too, which is really helping me to How survive as well. How does that fit well. in your career? I mean, is it, uh, is it, do you consider it a separate thing or is it, do you feel like teaching informs your work and your work informs your teaching uh, and there's a dialogue? Yeah. I think there's definitely a dialogue, but then in a lot of ways I make a very clear separation um, right. between the two. Like when, when I'm demoing, for instance, right. I don't look at it like I'm doing a drawing. I look right. at it like I'm uh, attempting to kind of do a schematic diagram for somebody to understand a concept. You like know, to get a point it's across. a good way yeah. to avoid like the sweaty palms, like they're all judging me. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, and we all <laughs> right. have been there, yeah. right? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, <laughs> when you um, get into that, oh, this is no, going just, wrong. Or <laughs> like you started it, and you're like, oh, this is going to take me a lot longer because now I have to actually work. Work. It's not. <laughs> right. just, it's not flowing, and you're like, Ugh, I got to save, save this. Just I got to save this. Just a schematic. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, I mean, it's it's incredible as you, as you know, having students yourselves. You know, like the uh, I have my students do like compositional studies before mm -hmm. they're starting yeah. you know pieces and stuff and i mean these guys will blow me away there'll oh, be yeah. something that's just like i would never in a million years have thought about that um yeah. and there's some amazing thing and that's really inspiring because you're just you know you're building up a visual you. i mean if you're yeah. locked in your studio it's a very solitary yeah. thing and it's hard to be open to what's yeah. going on now and it, it's yeah. very easy to just get stuck in one kind of loop and continue yeah. on and, and that works for some people like some people are really good with being reclusive and, and i'm envious uh, of those people but yeah and to a certain extent i am but also i do need feedback you right. know and you know i want to be loved you know, <laughs> i want somebody to look at my drawings and be like hey man i get it you know right. i get what you're kind of oh yeah the american sort of yeah the whatever and it's just like oh thank god i'm not like totally losing my, right. my mind here you know right. that it's translating so, that you're conveying something that you intended yeah. to convey yeah i don't like the commodity aspect of art you know yeah. i think that in a lot of levels that um 
you know, when we were coming up, we were in a good economy, yeah, you know, yeah. and that was uh, pretty remarkable. But then, right. you know, it meant you could do whatever you wanted, and people would buy it. There'd yeah, just be people there for you. Yeah, and you'd get enough to like, hey, make rent for whatever. Yeah. And uh, and I, I sort of wonder if that bubble, like the same same thing that sort of makes the contemporary art world, where you know Jeff Koons is going for forty million dollars, and you know, mm-hmm. and whether you even saw it or not, who knows? You right, know? right. Um, one of your students uh, made it, though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's really funny. There's um, when I went there, I, I walked in, and one of my uh, former Jeff, students, Jeff Coons, is the uh, yeah, place. Yeah, and I looked at. Um, I looked at his face. We made eye contact, and it was like this look did, of like shame. Like horror. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Michael. Thanks. Thank it's, you guys. We this always is a lot say of like we always bring you up, and we're like Mike won't do it. He's just we just. I think we also <laughs> have it in our head that you're more of like an underground art monk than you really are. Right. But we're just. We, you're you know, pretty much like, underground. You are. Monk. You are, but I think we just really like we put you on this I, like I, underground pedestal. More yeah, like. I feel like the guy. I should be like in a bathroom, like sitting with a jar for my own your urine. pee. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would almost be even cooler. Right? <laughs> that would be awesome in a robe. But hey, so, thanks for coming yeah. out. Yeah, thank, thank you guys. so much. You're the coolest. I, it, this is a lot of fun. I think it's like, God, if we had another two hours, we could just keep going. So we'll probably we we'll probably have you back because okay. there's actually a lot of questions. Yeah. I that went by fast. Well, that yeah, it sure fast. did. So right. stay we're tuned get, for episode uh, 142. We're going to get you back because there's just more <laughs> There are to too many about. stories. There's yeah. too many stories that I personally know, but also cool. just getting deeper into the philosophy that is Michael yeah. Grimaldi. And, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I know I'm fascinated by it. Anytime. You're yeah. in a city. We're like, if you feel Story. like I'm in the mood to talk, we'll set up. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. We'll hit record and you can just go as long as you want. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. All right. Thanks for the Salmon Gundy Co. for supplying the beats this evening. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had a party yeah. going on. Downstairs. Hopefully it won't be too <laughs> invasive. Yeah. Maybe not. And thank yeah. you so much, Jay Braun. Jay Braun. No problem. Thank you. Thank, Jay Braun. 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 That was Braun. great. Braun. Thanks. All right. See All right. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. That was fun. Woo-hoo! So much fun. God, that was awesome. I, I'm not joking where I'm like, ah, I don't really want this to end. I know. I feel yeah, like we barely got That was the fastest that went by, Yeah. Man. Wait, didn't you do like EMT stuff too? Uh, yeah. That was ah, right see, after. Yeah. I have all these like EMT questions. And I'm Tony Serenai. Serenai. Yeah, I'm trying to